was our prince indeed, but he'll not be back, and your troubles are just begun. Troubles. Held new of troubles from songs. We go to your lady mother. Keep a quiet mouth and a bright mind. I know you're able. And Kian, bide by me. The high folk won't need us in their business just now. Kian swished at an imaginary foe. High folk, he said. In the same tone, he said, feed the pigs, when Onan told him to. But he also rubbed the furrow under his nose with his knuckle, as he did when he was trying not to cry. Hild put her arms around him. They didn't quite meet, but she squeezed as hard as she could. Trouble meant they had to listen, not fight. And then they were wrapped about by Onan's arms, Onan's cloak, Onan's smell wool and woman and toasted malt, and Hild knew she'd been brewing beer, and the afternoon was almost ordinary again. Us, Kean said, and hugged Hild hard. We are us. We are us, Hild repeated, though she wasn't sure what he meant. Kean nodded. He kept a protective arm around Hild, but looked at his mother. Was it a wound? It was not, but the rest we'll chew on later, as we may. For now, we get the bairn to our mam and stay away from the hall. Kier Loy, at the heart of Elmet, wasn't much of a hall. Hild knew this because when they'd first arrived in the rain months ago, her mother had sniffed her sniff that was a sigh. Breggerswith had done that often in their exile among the kingdoms of the wheel always as a prelude to driving Onan and her other women to organize the temporary stop into a reflection of home, while she set out her cases of whirls and spindles and tucked her distaff in her belt. At these times, Hild and Harriswith must creep like mice, and the score of sworn warrior Yesiths who remained would get more magnificent baldrics for their swords, gold thread in the tablet weave at the cuff and hem, even embroidered work along the sleeves. They must look proud and bright and well provided for, that all would know who they were, where they came from, and to where they might still ascend, in service of the Lady Breguswith and Hererick, her lord should be king of Dera. Hild recalled no sights or sounds of Dera, the standard against which all was compared, the long-left home. She had vague memories of sun on plums, others of a high place of lowing cattle and bitter wind, of ships and wagons and the crook of her father's arm as he rode, but she knew none of them were home, could be home. Ethelfrith Idding, Anglish king of Benicia, had driven them out before she and her sister were born. She recognized people who might be from that long-lost home when they galloped in on foundering horses or slipped through the enclosure fence during the dark of the moon. She knew them by their thick woven cloaks, their hanging hair and beards, and their anglish voices, words drumming like apples spilt over wooden boards, rich, round, stirring like her father's words, and her mother's, and her sister's. Utterly unlike Onan's otter-swift British, or the dark liquid gleam of Irish. Hild spoke each to each, apples to apples, otter to otter, gleam to gleam, though only when her mother wasn't there.
Never stoop to wheel speech, her mother said, not even British, not even with Onan. Never trust wheel, especially those shaved priestly spies. From the byre came the rolling wicker whinny of horses getting to know each other. At least two new voices. Hild clutched harder at Onan's hand, and Onan shook her slightly. Quiet mouth, bright mind. The riders, two men, were with Keredic King and the Lady Breguswith in the hall. The room was smoky and hot, like all British dwellings. The peat in the great central pit was burning high, though it was not yet cold outside. But still, the smell of travel, of horse, was clearly on the men, and their bright checked cloaks were much muddied at hem and seat. Breguswith, distaff tucked under her left arm, rolling her fine yarn spindle down.